Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Growing Deeper by Pastor Sean Wood. I pray that you would help us to see more of Jesus. As we open your word, may our hearts be open, may our ears be open, Lord. Let those who have ears to hear, hear what it is that the Spirit has to say to the church this morning. Blessed be your glorious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. Uh, This morning, uh, if you'd like to meet me in Mark chapter 4, we're going to continue. As I said last week, uh, I like to take the opportunity at the start of every year to just touch base with uh, where we are as a church, who we are as a church, why we do what we do. And so this morning, I I want to talk about growing deeper. Last week we spoke about Zacchaeus, and as uh, a new year dawns, uh, what I love about Zacchaeus was he had determined to see who Jesus was. Not what Jesus has got, not how he can get blessed, not how he can get the new Mercedes and the double-story building on the waterfront, how he can find out more of Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And so uh, I would encourage everybody this year, Uh, Make 2023 the year that you determine I'll climb whatever sycamore tree I have to, to see Jesus. This morning, uh, as we speak about growing deeper, uh, I want to let you know that the enemy wants to stop you growing. A little bit more about this next week, but the call of the Christian life is to bear fruit. And we'll talk more about that next week uh, and, and how it is that we do that. But today I want to talk about growing deeper because uh, the reality is the enemy doesn't really mind you coming to church. He doesn't really mind you going to life group. But if you determine that you're going to get serious and you want to go deeper, that is the moment you'll meet opposition. And today I want to talk about three ways that the enemy tries to stop us growing and how it is that we can grow. I'm going to make a statement before I start and then I'll qualify it as we work our way through. Uh, the evidence of a healthy church is not where everybody is going. The evidence of a healthy church is where everybody is growing. And sometimes that can be a big difference. How can we be a community of people who are growing? Mark chapter 4, uh, I want to read the parable and then Jesus' explanation of the parable. Uh, again, he began to teach beside the sea, Jesus is teaching, and he, he often taught in parables so that those who had ears, sometimes they didn't hear. Uh, men say, amen, I know what you're talking about. My wife says this all the time. Listen, he says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Verse 5, other seed fell on a rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And and when the sun rose, it was scorched and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no grain. Verse 8, another seed fell into good soil. And it produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold and a hundredfold. And many of us in this room would agree and say, amen. We want to be that last soil, right? We want to be the kind of believers that are producing 30, 60, 100 fold, right? And, and so how can we be those that grow? I've learned that mature trees, because this is the analogy Jesus is using now, mature trees reproduce themselves. 
And so how can we be those kind of trees? Uh, many will know that when I was in Tasmania, I worked in the forestry for many years, and that meant that we planted trees, and it was on a variety of different landscapes. Uh, sometimes we were on hills that were that steep that goats used to grow shorter front legs so they could eat. Uh, uh, and, and it was actually more challenging going downhill than uphill. You had to stop yourself sliding uh, as you were going down. And sometimes we were on farm blocks where every, all the guys wanted to be on the farm blocks. I, I never let my guys know what the next block was because they're always waiting to get on the farm blocks. But uh, I found one thing that was a common thing, and that was every time we went to a block, didn't matter where the block was, didn't matter what the soil type was, didn't matter what the weather conditions were, we received the same seedlings with exactly the same potential. The seedlings arrived from the nursery, and if they came in any way, shape or form with a deformity, we sent them back. But they came and they arrived on the coop with the same potential. Didn't matter where we were, the potential was that those trees would grow and produce pulp. Took about 10 to to 12 years, it was all managed investment and every, every time we were planting trees, someone was looking for a return on their investment. There will come a day when we will stand before God and he will be seeking a return on his investment. And I have come to learn that just like in the forestry, there are certain responsibilities we have to produce a harvest. And the enemy wants to rob you of your harvest. And there's three main ways that he does that, and Jesus highlights that in this parable, and there's one thing that we can do to grow in Christ. Let's begin reading We'll unpack what Jesus has to say to us. Come down to verse 13, and he now begins to give us the explanation. Whenever you come to parables, a couple of things to remember, interpreting parables. Uh, A little bit more about that word interpret in a moment, but when we're interpreting parables, or or maybe they're interpreting us, but whenever we want to understand the meaning, uh, every parable has one thrust, one main point that it wants us to know. And we're going to get to that point in a moment. Uh, and every parable is often either Jesus gives us the meaning, like he does now, or the meaning is found in conversations surrounding the parable or in conversations or questions that are asked. Uh, Jesus often spoke in parables in response to questions. Uh, and so, so often the meaning is given to us. We don't have to guess. You don't have to guess with this parable. Jesus didn't want us to get this one wrong. So he gave us... The meaning. Verse 13, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? Verse 14, this is one of the most powerful sentences in this whole parable. When Jesus wants us to know, he wants us to know that the sower sows the word. Uh, Before we go any further, uh, I'd like to make a commitment. uh, (laughs) Since I've been here, my commitment has been that if you are at the Rock Christian Church, we will sow the word of God into your heart and into your life to the best of our potential and by God's grace. If if you find yourself in a life group, we have awesome life groups here, uh, you will find yourself uh, being sown the word. Our intentionality in Kids Rock is to sow the word into our kids. Our intentionality in the teenagers is to sow the word into our teenagers because the word of God is the thing that will cause a harvest in your life. You move to maturity according to the word of God. Uh, There's something very special about this book. It's not an ordinary book. It's a spiritual book written by a spiritual being because there's one author. Many people wrote this book, but there's one author. 
He wanted us to know something. His name is the God Almighty, all right? All scripture is God breathed. That word is profound. All scripture is God breathed and given what? For our teaching, our correction. The Bible tells us that his word is living and active. And just like those seedlings that used to arrive on those forestry coops, they were alive and inside of that little seedling was all the potential to be a huge, great big eucalyptus tree. And just in the same manner, the word of God is living and active and what, however it reaches our heart depends on the harvest, right? I don't ride horses simply because every time I say, whoa, they ignore me. But uh, at least with a motorbike, when you take your foot off the accelerator, it stops, right? Uh, but with a horse, they've got a mind of their own and a will of their own, I've found. But, uh, but if you want to see me get on my high horse and ride around here, I will get on my high horse when it comes to the Word of God. And here's why. Just this week, just this week, a prominent African-American pastor was being interviewed in America about the gospel. And he said, I've got a problem. And he did have a problem. <laughs> His problem was that when he was telling 17-year-olds that the gospel tells them they have to abstain from sex before marriage he said that's not a problem he says but and his words verbatim this is why you want to reach for the television sometimes and slap people but he says but but to a 37 year old that's that has to get some oh he says i need a different gospel this is why i'm passionate because nobody did anything else except applaud that man as he walked off the stage God's word has been given to us. We must treasure it. We must reverence his word because this word's got power. You want to see power in your life? You want God to breathe in your life? Get into his word. A couple of things before we go any further when it comes to the word of God. We make it a commitment to sow the word of God. and uh, That means as it is written. Whenever we come to God's word, we sometimes overcomplicate it. There's ways that we do this, but uh, the whole the whole idea behind the word is to draw out its meaning. And, and I want to help you because you can do this at home. You don't need me to do this. You, you, we've all got the Holy Spirit, so you can understand God's word. But we want to draw out the meaning. And God's word is descriptive and prescriptive. And all that means is we must seek to understand what it meant. What did God's word mean to the people it was written? What did it mean to the person who wrote it? And then we must ask a second question. Once we find out what it meant, what does it mean today? What does it mean to us today? When we're trying to draw out the meaning, what does God's word mean to us today? Uh, Just to give you an example, one of my favourite characters of recent years is a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, good Yorkshire lad, a plumber. We could do some more plumbers, the ones that did our bathrooms, good guys. But... Uh, what I love about Smith Wigglesworth was uh, he was a man that was uneducated. He learned to read on, his, on the Bible. His wife taught him to read on the Bible. And have a look at how God used that man. Uh, Smith Wigglesworth was asked one day, he used to, empty, uh, in the middle of a revival, he used to empty prayer meetings. Everybody would go in and they couldn't stand the presence of God that was in there. So they had, the same was said of Tozer, by the way, A.W. Tozer. But... Uh, what Tozer, uh, what Smith Wiggles, what somebody came to him one day and said, how long do you spend in prayer? You must spend hours in prayer. He says, oh, no. He says, I never go more than 20 minutes reading the word and praying. He says, but I never spend more than 20 minutes without reading the word and praying. 
this is a powerful book. And God wants to reveal himself and his power in us. And this is the way. The sower sows the word. And just like that seed, it has all the life-giving potential. It has all the power in it if it reaches our hearts in good soil. The enemy wants to rob you of that power. Let's read on and find out how he does this. We're, we're exposed to a number of soil conditions. and So we'll read it again. How then will you understand all these parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path, he says, uh, uh, where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And, and the first way that the enemy will try to, to, to take away God's word and to cause it to be ineffective in your life and to stop you from growing is inattention and ill will. Inattention looks like this. You can spend the whole church service checking your emails. You you can spend the whole church service on social media and and posting on social media and you walk out of here not knowing what was said, not knowing anything of the word of God and you go completely unchanged. The enemy, like I said before, doesn't mind you coming to church but but when you're open, when God's word begins to interpret you, you see, when, this is how to know when you're getting it right. When you're drawing out the meaning of God's word, it begins to shape you. Not us trying to shape God's word. And the other one is ill will. I find this one very common. This is, this is a tactic of the enemy that's been around since the Garden of Eden. And, and the ill will comes, if he can't rob the seed quickly by your inattention, then what he'll do is he'll try to cause an offence, either with the sower or with the seed. And the offence looks like this. If he can get you gypped at the guy who's preaching or, or the life group leader or, or that person who sows the seed in your life, then he can stop the channel of God's word coming into your life. And the other one is, right back in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy's been using the same tricks, hasn't he? What did he say to Adam and Eve? Did God actually say? The minute he can get you to question his word, it becomes ineffective in your life. What the enemy was actually doing was questioning the word and also questioning the authority behind it. Often I get sent emails asking for my interpretation on a scripture. And just so that we're clear, I can't give you my interpretation because this book is not open for my interpretation or Pastor Terry's interpretation. We don't get the, don't get the luxury of picking a verse and putting six people in the room and saying, give me your interpretation. No, no, no. There's one interpretation. There's one meaning behind scripture. And if the enemy can, he will cause doubt in your life. Everything in our life comes in a seed. The enemy sows seeds in our lives as well. He sows weeds in your heart, fear and worry and anxiety. More about that in a moment. But the enemy, first of all, tries to snatch away the seed. Has no effect in your life. He's completely unattended to the word. Let's read on. Verse 16, and these are the ones that are sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, what we'll note as we work our way through this parable, same in the, in the account of Matthew and same in the account of Luke, every single one of them hear the word. 
Those along the path, they heard the word. There wasn't a problem with the sower and there wasn't a problem with the seed. Uh, Whether it penetrates or not is up to the soil. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no, underline this word, no root in themselves. But endure for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And uh, first tactic the enemy will use is inattention and ill will. And the second tactic the enemy will use is opposition. There's a wonderful account in John chapter 6. I love this. Uh, in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. And many, it says, were following Christ. But Jesus confronts them because they were following Christ so that they could fill their bellies again. And so Jesus says, you know, you're following me and you're seeking me, not not before the true bread, because he goes on and says, I'm the bread of life. He says, you guys just want to fill your bellies again. And so it's superficial. And we see this no root. We see this fleshed out in John chapter 6, because later on, Jesus begins to teach towards the end of the chapter. And he's teaching about the fact that they need to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And what, now, if Jesus was a pastor today, they'd have sacked him. Because 90% of his congregation leaves now. I love the reaction of Christ. Because what everybody says is, this is a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching. It says that they took offence at Christ, and this is a hard teaching, and it says they no longer followed him. The minute they started to reach a little bit of opposition... We're out of here. What I noticed there is Jesus didn't run down the road begging them to come back and follow him. But what Jesus does do is he turns to his disciples and says, do you guys want to leave as well? But those guys got it. You have a look at the lives of the disciples. They were a hot mess when Jesus found them. Talk about broken vessels. Uh, Peter excites me because uh, uh, a completely broken bogan kind of fisherman Jesus makes him a pillar of the first church and Peter goes through a process of growth but when Jesus turns to Peter and the other disciples and says do you guys want to leave as well Peter says to whom shall we go we have come to know that you are the Messiah and you have the words of eternal life wow I want to encourage you this year to be intentional about what you sow in your life. As we work our way through uh, this parable, I was reminded of a documentary I watched. A guy by the name of Jeremy Wade does a series called River Monsters. Some people may have seen River Monsters. And if you're a fisherman, it's... mm, It turns things the other way around because it's kind of like, hang on, these guys are after me for a change. But... But his very first episode was interesting. He, he finds himself in the foothills of the Himalayas in India uh, searching for a gooch catch fish that was actually pulling people under the water. He finds this fish, massive, great big thing that was pulling people under the water. But he's actually at the headwaters of the Ganges. And so clear and pristine is that water. He's picking it up with his hand and drinking it. And then I'm thinking, hang on a second. You go downstream a little bit. You're possibly not going to do that. 
but he does go downstream. Yes. Yes. You can drink deadly poison, but not from the Ganges. But he does go downstream because he's looking for these catfish. And so he goes downstream to the populated areas and they test the water. They couldn't find any fish there, lo and behold. The fish, there's people bathing in the Ganges in the cities, but the fish are like, we're out of here, right? But they, they tested a cup of water. The toxic pollution that was in that water was horrendous. And often we try to fix that by downstream solutions, right? Where, well, we need to scoop the rubbish off the top. We need to pour chemicals into the water to clean it up. When in fact, the problem is upstream. Because as he journeyed all the way back up, we found that horrendous farming practices meant that herbicides and other chemicals were just flowing freely into the headwaters of the Ganges. And if you go down a little bit further, there were tannery and leather uh, manufacturing. They were just pouring toxic chemicals in everywhere. And, and toilets, sewage. So it's a free-for-all over there. So the problem you find when you get downstream starts upstream, right? And same in our own lives. And I would encourage you this year to walk upstream in your life and start cutting off some of the streams that may be polluting your life. Maybe you need to make a commitment to just get off social media. Maybe you need to make a commitment to stop believing everything you read on the internet. Turns out Google hasn't got it all right. Maybe you need to turn the television off of a night time and open the book. God can speak. His word can be sown into our lives in many different ways. Yes, reading his word. Uh, yes, listening to sermons. Yes, at life groups. I'd encourage everybody to plug into a life group. Accountable Christianity is what Jesus set his community up to be. Small group, accountable Christianity. Get into life groups or, 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 or read books that are at least founded on the word. So that you can start stopping those streams of pollution. Where you are today is a result of the seeds you've sown in your life previously. Paul says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked, a man will reap what he sows. Now, I'm not, I, I, my New Year's resolution is not to go prosperity gospel on you this morning, but I want to share a passage with you this morning that highlights this. Uh, one, of, one of the prominent leaders of the Old Testament is a guy by the name of Joshua. Yes, Moses is a, was a great man and did great things, but Joshua was the kind of guy, you ever met somebody that everything they touch turns to gold? Like, couldn't do anything wrong kind of guy? Joshua was one of those kind of guys. He has some setbacks as they go into the promised land, but largely, it's just like uh, everything this guy tries comes off, right? Well, let's read about where things began for Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, uh, God is commissioning Joshua into leadership now. And here's what he said, before you cross the river, sunshine, before you get anywhere near Jericho, before you're dancing around the city and doing all of these things, there's a few things, Joshua, you need to know. Here we go. Verse 7, uh, only be strong and very courageous. Easy to say, right? Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law, all the law, that Moses, my servant, commands you, uh, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Who wants to have a successful year this year? I'm only reading the Bible, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Listen to what God says to Joshua now. But you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then, says God, for then you will make your way prosperous. 
Just so that we're clear, uh, Joshua did make his way prosperous, but he didn't find bags of money everywhere he went in the promised land. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And everything we read about that happens in the promised land is because upstream in Joshua's life is a commitment to God's word, right? We're going to speak a little bit more about that word meditate in in a moment uh, to answer one of the questions I get asked the most. But uh, that word meditate is very powerful. And so I would encourage you this year, you want to grow deeper, then I would encourage you to assess the seed that's coming into your life. Because the enemy wants to sow seeds as well. Let's have a look at that one next. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. When opposition comes, when the storms of life come, they don't have any root within themselves. And and if you want to know how strong your root is, uh, when we were planting trees, uh, it was all about the taproot. There was one main root. Uh, We cultivated the ground in such a way so that that taproot had all the room it needed to to go all the way down. If that root didn't penetrate down, the tree would fall over. Believe it or not, it gets windy in Tasmania. That's why I've still got short hair because you're doing your hair all the time, right? But if you want to know how strong that root is, it's, that's really simple. Uh, just examine who you are when nobody's looking. Don't, if you want to know how strong someone's root is, don't go to social media. A person's root will be when we haven't got our spiritual Sunday makeup on, right? Often we walk into church, yeah, everything's fine and great and our world can be falling apart. Uh, A.W. Tozer writes a book called The Root of the Righteous and uh, it's a fantastic book but he goes back through history some of the prominent men and women that that God has used over the last 2,000 years and he says what we see on the surface let's take Smith Wigglesworth for example Uh, everybody looks at the life of Smith Wigglesworth and they go oh you know people got healed and and they did and there was wonderful acts but if you have if you pull the curtain back on Smith Wigglesworth you'll find a guy on his knees crying in prayer Uh, somebody went to visit the church of the Reverend Robert Murray McShane in Scotland and this was when he was alive and they said this is his desk and it was wet there was a cushion on the desk that was wet and he said what's the guy with this so that's where he prays weeping for Scotland they said that Robert Murray McShane died of a broken heart weeping and praying for his beloved Scotland and so when you peel the, if you want to, if you want to know how strong your taproot is, if you want to know whether you're going to survive the storms of life, then have a look who you are when nobody else is looking. What's your secret prayer life like? Who's God to you when you're all on your own? They had no root in themselves. I tell you, it'll show up when the storms of life come. Uh, we heard about Peter this morning and. A lot of people uh, rib Peter because, you know, he started to sink. But, hey, he's still the first guy. that He's the only other guy apart from Jesus that walked on the water. It might have been two steps. It might have been three steps. But it's two more steps than I've ever done. I'd love to walk on water. It would enhance my fishing capabilities enormously. But they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on the count of the word, and I'm here to give you really good news today, if you make a commitment to allow God's word to come into your life, the enemy is going to oppose you. 
The minute you do, the minute God's word is sown in your heart, you'll turn up to work on Monday morning and they'll hate you for no reason. The car engine will blow up. The cat will run away. Don't look for it. But <laughs> Verse 18. Here's, here's the one I think applies to us the most. So the enemy tries to get us by inattention and he'll, will he, he'll offend you. If he can't get you to go to sleep during the sermon, he'll get you offended on the way. Number two is that he will oppose and bring storms in our life to challenge the taproot. Number, number three, this is the one I think applies to the church in the West, the most prominently one. This is the crowded heart. Verse 18, and others are the ones that are sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word. It's not that the word wasn't planted. It's not that it didn't penetrate. It's just that it's got no room to grow and to flourish in our lives. And and I want to encourage you this year, you want to grow deeper, you may need to do some weeding in your heart. And there are three main weeds that you may need to take the fork to this year. Weed number one are the cares and the worries of this world. And man, oh man, did we see this fleshed out in COVID. COVID didn't matter what was going on. COVID gave everybody something to worry about. Some people were worried the government was going to take over. Other people were worried we're all going to die. But the enemy will sow what... You look at your bank account on a Monday morning, you begin to get the cares of the world, right? Oh, how am I going to feed the family this week? Don't worry about feeding the cat, feed the kids first. (laughs) But the cares of this world, the cares of this world are many and the enemy will drop those seeds in. Just don't give them any time. Don't give them any thought. Don't let them germinate. Choke out the enemy's seeds with this seed. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches, we live in a time when uh, all around us is the deceitfulness that you can find your full joy and happiness if you can fill your garage with more possessions, right? Just one more fly rod, right? It's amazing how in Queensland, uh, nearly every house has got a double garage, but you can't fit your car in there. You can squeeze one in mine. The kayaks are on the other side. <laughs> the car's got to stay outside, but the kayaks definitely have to be in there. Are we not crazy? But there is a deceitfulness, a deceitfulness that says the more you get, the more joy and happiness you're going to have. How has that ever worked out for us? Some of the happiest people in the world are those that don't have a whole lot according to the world system. Uh, uh, great friends of ours from the Ghana went to Nepal one time and they went over there for a holiday. And I said, how was your holiday? They said, you know what? Uh, we walked around Nepal, Kathmandu, other places. And they said, you know what? These people have nothing. In our scheme of things, these guys have nothing. He said, but you can't take the joy off their face. We don't sell the fly rods. <laughs> we sell the kids before we sell the fly rods. <laughs> The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and here's the big one, the desires for other things. And that's why last week was so important, because in a moment in Zacchaeus' life, his main desire and priority, that's what seeking means, was Jesus. 
the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And the sad truth is that many of us either have elements of these heart conditions or have had them in the past. But I want to encourage you, as we come to the last one now, uh, make, make this year, uh, stick it to the enemy this year. I guarantee you he's going to try and fill your heart, your mind, your life. He's going to try and fill your life with all the seeds. Choke his seeds out. Choke them out. And drown them out by doing this. Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones that hear the word. Everybody's hearing the word, but these guys do something different. They hear the word and they accept it. Mark says that they accept it. Matthew says that they understand it. And Luke says that they hold fast to it with a good heart. All of those words and all of those pretty much mean the same thing. But here's the number one question I get asked, and that is, Pastor, I've got all of the word of God in here. How do I get the word from here to here? It's the number one question I get asked. And Joshua has already given us the answer. The journey from here to here is meditating on God's word. Often when we say meditation, we think Eastern meditation, we think finding a cave, putting on a brown suit, shaving our heads and levitating somewhere. (laughs) And finding a chant that we can say. Uh, Interesting how uh, everything gets distorted, right? Eastern meditation is all about emptying yourself. That's the philosophy. You, you, you go through a whole lot of processes and whatever else to empty yourself. Biblical meditation is the opposite. It's about filling yourself. Sometimes we over-mystify this and every one of us can do this tomorrow morning. It's maybe give up on the quantity and just work on the quality. Just take a couple of verses and just meditate on them because the word meditate means to chew. It means, it's a, for, for the dairy farmers in the room, it means to chew the cud. It means to, to, to ponder on. It means to, in the Hebrew, it means to mutter, to talk. To, I'm giving you permission to talk to yourself. If you start answering yourself, I'm going to make some phone calls, but, and we've got some prayer here next Sunday if you start answering yourself. Uh, I only answer myself when nobody's looking. But that's all it means is just keep thinking about the word. Keep chewing it over. What does it mean? Uh, What did you mean? Uh, Let's take a very simple verse outside of what we've spoken about this morning. Jesus said that you are salt and you are light. What does it mean to be the light? And you start chewing on that. What does light do? It dispels darkness. uh, What do you do with light? You turn it on and you put it somewhere, right? And you begin thinking about how it applies to you. And there are great uh, aids that we have. Get a devotional book if you have to and, and listen to sermons if you have to. Do all of those things. They're good, healthy things. But chew on God's word. That's what happens between here and here. And the number one thing we have to do, accepting God's word means I take it for what it says. Behind this sentence, I'll interpret 
I'll interpret the word my own way. Behind that is, I will shape God into what I want him to be. This is the revelation of who God is. How dare we tamper with this? How dare you get on television and tell all of America that you need another gospel? How dare you do that? The book of Revelation says, if anybody adds or subtracts, We don't have to add or subtract. Accepting God's word looks like coming as an open book and saying, Lord, I'm not here to shape your word. Let your word shape me. But those that are on the sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold and 100-fold. As I finish this morning... uh, I've got a confession to make. I love mangoes. Anybody else here love mangoes? Yes. Well, if you find yourself in Tasmania, you're going to find a problem. They're massively expensive in Tasmania. There's a small reason for that. We can't grow them there. I'll make this guarantee. You can take a mango seed, tree, do whatever you want. Take it to Tasmania and plant it. Feed it, water it, pat it, do whatever you want to it. It's not going to produce any fruit because the atmosphere in Tasmania is not conducive for growing mangoes. Tasmania grows some of the best apples though. And some really good grapes for the wine drinkers here this morning. Everybody was silent, but that's probably... (laughs) Are we having communion again? No. And it's the same with the Word of God and and our commitment here is to sow the Word of God, but also uh, with God's help, our commitment is that We want to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, cultivate an atmosphere here where people can grow. Uh, This year, don't make church a place you go. Make church the place you grow. What would be sad is if we go through another 12 months and you haven't grown. Uh, I've only been here a, a bit over six years, but his... He's one of the enormous privileges of pastoral ministry is to get a front row seat at God transforming lives and people growing. And I have, I have, I have grown myself since I've been here and I have seen people grow deeper and deeper and deeper and that's what ministry is all about. And it's, it's very encouraging and uh, I pray that God would continue to grow us deeper with him and we overcomplicate it if you would make a commitment this year to sow the word into your life and to allow his word to come in and to shape you you will grow you will grow let's pray father i pray that you would tear up the ground of each one of our hearts lord we can all be hard-hearted. We can all allow the weeds to choke your word out. And Lord, we can all have shallow roots. But Lord, I pray, cultivate the ground of our hearts. Lord, remove our overcrowded hearts. I pray, remove the weeds, Lord, that your word may produce a harvest in each one of our lives. Father, our desire is to grow deeper with you. We ask for your help. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. 
To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.